Hey you, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Sweet Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Megan Martin. Hey, hey, welcome back to The Sweet Life Podcast. This is episode number two. Today is Saturday, June 27th, and it's 17 days since I alert. <laughs> I released the first episode, which was only a 10-minute episode that introduced what exactly I was going to do on this platform. Well, today I thought I would introduce myself now for those of you that might not know me as well as some of my best friends. And for my friends that are listening, you might learn something new through this little introduction. So I wanted to just uh, start off by saying I really appreciate all of you who listened in to the first episode. And if you're just tuning in now, I highly suggest you go back and listen to the first episode. It's a quick 10 minutes and it kind of gives you a framework of what you can expect from the Sweet Life podcast. Obviously, it's going to be ever-changing, just as I am, as you will learn in this episode. And that's okay. But the first episode will kind of give you the reasoning behind why I started it and just some fun stuff that maybe you want to listen to. So let's get into what I wanted to talk about today. So as most of you know, my name is Megan Martin. My middle name is Marie. And I always love that because it's like I have triple M's in my name, M&M and M. And the funny enough, I was actually also born in March. So that puts four M's into my, I guess, identity. And I was born on the 12th, which of course is one of my favorite numbers considering it's my birthday. And that would make me a Pisces. <laughs> and for those of you that understand astrology or might kind of have an understanding of your horoscopes a little bit, um, those of you that know me will understand that I am very much a Pisces. <laughs> and those of you that don't know me very well, I'm just going to preface this with the fact that if you understand what Pisces are, it's the water sign, it's the fish sign. Um, I am a big crybaby. <laughs> I cry over everything. Like, I'm I'm not exaggerating. Um, something that's happy, something that's funny, obviously something that's sad. I cry when I'm frustrated. It's just my way of releasing my emotions. And that's just how I cope with things. And I'm totally okay with that now. But I have to be very honest and say that I used to be very ashamed of this feature that I had. Um, I would have to say that I'm a very sensitive um, person and that comes from me being an empath um, and having empathy towards others who are suffering in the world and everything that's going on. So I feel like I'm very affected by that kind of stuff, but (laughs) that translates into me just really shedding my emotions and showing how I feel by crying. And For those of you that aren't criers, you might not understand as much, but for those of you that are criers, then you get this. Um, Like I had mentioned before, I used to be quite ashamed of this, and the reason being is because when I was really upset or frustrated or disappointed in myself, my first instinct was to cry. So when I think back towards um, high school, whenever I was not doing well or couldn't understand um, a subject or like maybe I failed test, quote unquote, failed in my eyes at the time was like getting less than a 70%. Um, 
I would react by crying. And then that crying would cause me to feel embarrassed. And then I would cry even more because I was crying and I was embarrassed that I was crying. And it was this really not great cycle of emotions um, to a point where at a time uh, my guidance counselor actually like called my mother and was very concerned for me, which I appreciate um, in retrospect, but she thought maybe I needed to seek um, guide more guidance and therapy, which is of course super awesome of her to do. Um, but in reality for me, it was just I was just super sensitive. And that's what my mom would say. Um, I actually remember, here's an example of something silly over what I would cry about. When I was in grade three at Stella Mayer's Public School in Amherstburg, I funnily enough remember (laughs) this memory. Um, If you remember those duotangs that we all had in elementary school where they're like those colorful little um, paper books and at the back of them they had the tabs that would close. While most people had the tabs that opened up and there was two tabs. Well, for some reason, mine only had one tab and I got really upset and couldn't understand why it wasn't two tabs or why it wouldn't close like everybody else's and I cried over it. And it's such a silly, silly thing to think that I cried over. Um, But that's just how I dealt with those emotions. And I have to say that now I have completely accepted the fact that I'm a super sensitive and emotional person. And I almost wear that as a badge of honor. And I find that sensitivity and that ability to cry is actually a strength. Excuse me. And it's not... It's not a weakness because when we're able to show our emotions in a way that is um, allows us to be vulnerable and expose a part of ourselves that sometimes um, fears that judgment of others, I think that's a very, very big strength. And that's definitely something you, if you're listening and you identify like this as an emotional person and an empath and a sensitive person, wear it proudly. Uh, That is something that you should appreciate about yourself and not be ashamed of. Um, It is not a bad thing to be an emotional person. It just means that you care and you have a heart and you haven't been, um, I guess, jaded by everything that happens in the world. I'll have to mention that I don't cry as much or as easily as before because I've definitely learned how to process those emotions, sometimes in a more constructive way. Um, But I still cry over a lot of things, especially when I'm happy. I'm just very overwhelmed and feeling gratitude. Um, Tears just kind of fall out of my eyes. So to move on from that, that's just a little preface into my, I guess, I know, underlying personality. Um, But for those of you that know me, I'm a very positive person. I would consider myself an eternal optimist. I am a realist in a sense where I can see practical um, solutions to problems. And I understand that, you know, not everything is sunshine and rainbows, but I would have to say that I definitely look at things um, in a more sunny disposition. And I have learned over the years to pivot and reframe my thoughts in a way that's that changes what I'm experiencing into something positive and a learning experience. And that is definitely something that has taken a lot of work. It's not something that just I was born with or I had. Um, It's something that I've cultivated through experiences of my own. So who am I? What do I do? Why are you listening to me? Um, Who is Megan Martin? So 
I think that this question, um, especially the who I am, what do I do kind of thing, or if someone was to ask you, who are you or what do you do? It's kind of a very difficult question to answer because for me, I'd have to say like, do you have a couple hours to chat? Because I could go on and on about all the different facets and, um, you know, branches of who I am. And that is always ever changing. But I think at my core identity and who I identify as is a kind, compassionate, um, optimistic and loving person. And I have a very big heart. Um, and I'm also just a work in progress as well. So who I am um, definitely has changed over the years. I used to identify with um, being an athlete more so, a student. I used to identify with being um, an academic in university. And that has totally changed over the years. And I think as humans and in through our fluid experience through life, we shouldn't um, hold ourselves so tightly towards a per- certain part of our identity because then that doesn't allow us room to breathe and room to grow. And when we hold on too tightly to something of who we think we are, we hold ourselves back from opportunities that could be coming into us. So um, let's just get into some, I guess, more concrete things about me. Uh, I'm from Amherstburg, Ontario, which is a small town uh, just outside of Windsor, where I live now. I definitely identify more now as a Windsorite because um, it's just a lot easier to explain where Windsor is on a map but I very much appreciate and love my roots of Amherstburg. And I'm glad that I was able to be quote unquote, a county kid growing up, basically only coming to Windsor to see a movie and to play basketball. Um, But now I live in Windsor and I absolutely love living here. The community, it might not be the prettiest place in the world to live, but the people here are what make it so special and beautiful. So I grew up in Amherstburg. Um, I attended Amherstburg Public School and then went to Amherst. I have been an athlete since I was four. Um, I will tell you, when I started playing soccer at that age, I was a dandelion picker on defense. I barely played. Um, I rather pick flowers, but eventually my competitive spirit um, became part of me. And being an athlete was who I identified with for a very long time, starting in soccer and basketball and playing all different kinds of sports in elementary school, and then moving into high school and focusing on on basketball, and then long term into track and field and cross country. I was a long distance runner for 10 years of my life competitively. And I retired from the sport competitively in the in February of 2015 which ironically is the was the exact same date that I became vegan. That's another story. Um, that's actually a, probably a whole podcast in itself. Um, but running was a part of who I was. So when people would say hi to me, uh, they usually would ask me, how's running? Or have you had a race? Or something to do with running before even asking how I was. And so running was basically who I was. I was a runner. I was an athlete. That's all that I did. And Unfortunately, it didn't leave me a lot of room for a lot of other things, which was okay at the time. But as I transitioned out of running, that's where I really expanded my um, portfolio of opportunity, I suppose. And I engaged in a lot of different activities because I was less focused on running. I loved running so much um, that my big goal was to go to the Olympics. I ran for uh, the University of Windsor for four years. I was fortunate enough to work very hard in high school towards a full ride scholarship with the Windsor Lancers. And I ran on the cross country and the varsity track and field team. It was an incredible experience. I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about who I wanted to become through that process, as well as um, 
achieving a degree in psychology and women's studies, a double major, and I was super fortunate to be part of an outstanding scholars program as well. Academics and athletics were a huge part of who I was for those four years. That was my main focus. And I worked my butt off so much and it was hard and it was very tiring at times. And there were days where I wanted to give up and it was like, that's it. I'm I'm not doing university anymore. I'm just going to, I don't know. I just got so overwhelmed at times. I dropped courses. I had a hard time focusing and um, really handling some of the stress. But ultimately, I have to admit and say that I genuinely really loved and appreciated my degree. And I believe that I learned so much from those classes and courses that I took so much more away from it than just a piece of paper signifying that I had graduated with a honors bachelor's degree in psychology and women's studies. My classes, in hindsight, um, really helped mold who I am in today, who I am today, and helped me think differently than I would have if I maybe would have chose a different major. They complemented each other very, very well, and I bring forth a lot of the psychology that I had learned in university into my um, career and life and relationships now. So, my university um, career was awesome. And I always thought I was going to go back to school after graduating um, those four years. You have five years of eligibility when you run or play sports in university. And I had used up four. And technically, I still have one more if I had decided to go back. Um, not sure if that's in the future for me, but we'll have to see. Um, but anyways, I am losing my train of thought. And I got to go back to what I was saying. Give me one second. Wow, this is really funny, but I'm I'm not gonna edit it because um, I'm I don't have the skill set yet, maybe to edit it. But anyway, back to what I was saying, huh? Anyway, let's pause for right now. Okay, I think I remember where that train of thought was going. What I was basically going to say is that I enjoyed my education so much and the knowledge that I learned that it meant a lot more to me than just accomplishing those four years, getting out of university, getting a job, and then starting my life. And I think nowadays, or just in general, I think students in university should really take the time to appreciate what they're learning and understand that what you're learning right now is actually going to be applied so much more towards your life as opposed to just your career. Um, when I graduated university, I didn't graduate into a career. I'm a psych and women's studies major. That, po that gives me lots of possibilities, but not one funneled stream of options. So there is a world of possibilities, which for a lot of people, including myself, can be extremely overwhelming. Sometimes it could have been a lot easier to just go into nursing or go into education. Um, education or go into engineering and that's you became that afterwards however like I didn't do that that didn't happen for me and I had always thought I was going to go to teacher's college and I remember I was sitting in a my cognitive psychology class in my second last semester and the teacher's college application was due by the end of that week and I had continued to put it off I procrastinated it and here's a little funny thing about me I'm a huge procrastinator. I don't really wear that as a badge of honor. Um, it's just something I'm working on, but I can admit that I definitely procrastinate things. Um, so anyway, I was procrastinating this application. And now 
in my 27th year, I've recognized that procrastination and resistance is actually something your body internally is trying to tell you. And that signals like maybe you need to think a little bit more about this decision before you follow through with it. So I let myself, I was in this cognitive psychology class and I feel like I had like an epiphany. I was like, I'm not going to teacher's college. And I remember sitting next to my friend that I met in university named Ashley. And I was like, I'm not applying to teacher's college. And then I was like, oh crap. Like I got to tell my parents this now because I believe there was kind of this expectation that I was going to further my education and go to teacher's college. But I realized like, that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to teach in the curriculum and the system that I actually don't really agree with when there's always lots of other opportunities to be an educator. And I would say the position that I am in today, I call myself an educator um, outside of the school system. So yeah, I decided not to go to teacher's college. And that was kind of tough to tell my dad and my parents because I believe they expected me to kind of go forward. But I'm fortunate to have parents who are very supportive of me. And they understood that there were other things out there for me. And my dad basically straight up said, um, well, you got more education than me and I can't make that decision for you. So I support you and I appreciate that. So dad, if you're listening, thank you. Um, So after university, let's get into a little bit of some of the volunteer work that I did. Um, I have had many volunteer roles in the past five years. I honestly think that after my university career, so that was um, 2015, I think that's kind of when a lot of my interest and opportunities and experiences really expanded. University was a great time, but it was definitely limited for me because I was focused so much on academics and athletics. And I I limited a lot of the things that I could do because that was my main focus. So after university at the age of 22, that's really where I came to be who I was. I applied everything I had learned in previous years and I put it into action. So my university diploma on paper basically means shit, to be honest, Um, because I haven't actually used that degree to get most of my jobs or my my volunteer positions. It's my networking ability and it's the fact that I'm willing to volunteer and try new things and having connections with people. So I've been called um, for job applications because I had made a connection with that person because of a volunteer opportunity. So I'm not saying that my university degree means nothing, but what I'm trying to get to is that the piece of paper doesn't mean anything if I didn't actually take what I learned in university and used how to use it, uh, applying it to the things in the real world, because that's where the power of knowledge and education uh, really, really happens. It's actually taking what you learned, using it to critically think about the world around you and applying it to your real life and taking action rather than just staring at a piece of paper and saying, yeah, I have a university degree. I'm qualified for this. When in reality, your experiences and the way that you frame your mind, you may not actually be as qualified as you think that you are. So um, some of the volunteer positions that I've held in the past couple years would be um, at the Humane Society. I volunteered with dogs. I think that was one of my first major roles as a volunteer in our community. And I got involved with Motivate Canada in the fall of 2014, stemming into 2015, which had the most significant impact on my life. And I think that Motivate Canada is really what catalyzed a lot of my passion to make a difference in the community um, tenfold. And I am now working with Motivate Canada because of this volunteer experience and um, time that I've spent with the organization. And 
it's meant so much to me as an individual. And again, that's a whole other topic that we can discuss if you're interested in hearing about that. So then I also became a volunteer at Detroit Animal Welfare Group, which is located in Romeo, Bruce Township in Michigan. I had a friend that was from the Humane Society I met that brought me there one day and I just fell in love with the animals there and I started volunteering there for a couple years. I would go over there, try to go over at least once a month. I'd spend um, time with the animals and I would work on their social media pages and their sponsorship program and dedicated a lot of my heart towards those animals. And I also became a volunteer at Border City Boxing Club. I coached a youth boxing program. I coached women's boxing and I did multiple fundraisers to help the gym and basically was a big part of that gym for a couple of years. I was a board member on leadership advancement for women in sport uh, and I ran a girls sports program called Goals for about a year and that was a really cool opportunity. Uh, as most of you know and you've heard Sports have been a significant part of my life, and I believe that they have helped molded me into the person that I am today. And without them, I wouldn't have the same worth, ethic, tenacity, determination, and passion that I do. So I appreciate sports, um, whether it's competitively or just exercising for a fun thing. And that's why I have been involved with a lot of sport organizations and um, opportunities in the past couple years. So let me like backpedal it a little bit. When I'm talking about these um, experiences and, and accomplishments that I've had, and by no means, and I don't really believe I need to say this because I know that I'm very proud of my accomplishments. They're not meant for you to pat me on the back. It's not a way for me to brag. I'm not using this podcast as a, as a portfolio um, to show people all these incredible things that I did. But let's just say that I am super fucking proud of the things that I've done. And I'm not afraid to admit that I'm proud of those things that I've done. And I think that if you sometimes feel a little hesitant to talk about your accomplishments and all of the volunteer opportunities that you've had and the good that you've done in the world, please don't hold back because you're allowed to be proud of the things that you've done in the world to make this world a better place. Because when you share your story and your passion and your why and your reasoning for making positive changes, you inspire other people to do that. And I believe so profoundly in that ability to share our voices and inspire other people to share theirs as well. So never be afraid to hold yourself back because you um, are afraid people are going to judge you for bragging about yourself. Come on, brag to yourself, brag about yourself all you want. You're really cool. And especially if you're doing awesome things in the world. So um, yeah, so then I kind of did a Farm Sanctuary Internship at um, Farm Sanctuary in New York State. This was in the fall of 2018. Was it 2018? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, it was 2017 going into 2018. And I was there for winter months. Um, that was a really, really cool opportunity. I did two months at the largest animal sanctuary in North America. It was the pioneer of the animal rights movement. You should look it up them up on Facebook or Instagram. It was a really neat experience, and I've met some pretty cool people. Hey, Ash, if you're listening, you're awesome, and I love you. Um, my friend, one of my really closest friends who actually lives in Kansas, um, I really hope that's correct, but I'm, I'm pretty positive, Wichita, right? Anyway, she was a pretty awesome friend that I met through that experience, and we still have stayed connected thanks to um, Instagram and social media. So that was an awesome opportunity. And I've met so many cool animals. I hung out with cows and pigs. I got to drive cool trucks. Um, 
it was a neat experience. So then that kind of led me into volunteering with Charlotte's Freedom Farm. So if those of you know me now, you'll know that Charlotte's Freedom Farm is a really big part of my life. The animals there mean so much to me and the people have become my closest and my best friends. And Charlotte's Freedom Farm has made such an impact on animals, but also people in our community. And it's pretty awesome to have um, this ability to hang out with cows and pigs and chickens on a regular basis and teach people how beautiful these animals are and how much similar they are to our dogs and cats that we love and adore and, and appreciate in our homes, but we neglect and turn a blind eye to the cruelties that are happening to these farm animals. So Charlotte's Freedom Farm is a sanctuary. It's a safe haven. It's a second chance for these animals. And I think it's also a very healing place for people because when you step foot onto the grounds of Charlotte's Freedom Farm and you're greeted by Quake the Goat or now Bernard the Donkey or Tessa the Turkey, you change as a person because you start to see these individuals, animals as individual beings and not just something that you were going to put on your plate to eat. And that is very, very powerful. So another organization that I've done some brief work with and hope to once our border opens because of COVID-19, our border for traffic that's non-essential is not available right now. So anyway, I volunteer for um, Detroit Animal Care and Control, which is a Detroit adoption and basically kind of pound for dogs um, found as strays or abandoned, abused, neglected, surrendered in Detroit. That's a pretty cool place. It's extremely difficult to see the state of some of these dogs and the fact that they have um, approximately 200 dogs at any given time. But Again, like people used to tell me and ask, how do you volunteer with those animals? I could never do it. I I would be too heartbroken. I would be too devastated. It would hurt me too much to go there and then leave them. And don't take offense to this, but for those people and anyone that says I could never do that, that's the reason why these animals don't get their second chance and more opportunity because people don't put aside their own emotions and think about the animals or the ones in need. It's not really about us. It's about our ability to give back to those who need it the most. And I can assure you that eventually that that service towards others is going to be reciprocated and it's going to benefit you as well. So it's a very win-win situation. But for those that say that they could never do that, it really makes me sad because That's the reason why so many animals end up staying in shelters because there's not enough volunteers um, to help them. So if you've been that person that has said, I could never do that, please think twice about that and just put yourself out there, put yourself into the animal's shoes and and think about how you would feel if a human didn't want to volunteer because they were going to be too sad um, themselves. So just think about that a little bit. So we've already gone into... um, I've been talking for a long time. And so if you're still listening, super love and appreciate you. Um, If you're ready to tune out right now, I get it. Pause, come back later. Um, Because I'm just going to get into a couple more things about myself. Um, Honestly, this could be a really long podcast. And as I had mentioned, this podcast is more so going to be a solo podcast where I share things that I've learned and my experiences rather than an interview podcast, because I think there's a lot of awesome already interviews out there, but I do still want to give people an opportunity to speak and share their voices and teach other people how they're living a sweet life too. 
So we will have guests of um, once in a while, and that's going to make it even more special when we do have guests. And I want our guests to be people that might not have an opportunity to speak on other podcasts. So yeah, that's just a preface. If you're ready to tune out now, I get it. It's totally okay. But I would hope that you come back and hear the rest of this um, introduction to me. So I'm going to just get into careers because we talked about volunteering and now I'm going to talk about careers and jobs. And the reason I started with volunteering is because when people ask me what I do or, you know, because they want to know what, where do you work? Because when a lot of times when people ask that question, like, what do you do? I have found even myself, that question is very loaded and it's also very selfish because a lot of times we're not really interested in what that person actually does or how it's impacted them and how they've um, taken their career and how it's more of a portrayal of themselves. It's more of like, how can I rank myself in, in comparison to this person? If I was a person working at a grocery store and I asked someone what they did and they said a doctor, I would likely, and I'm I'm not saying maybe me, but in general, I think some people might feel automatically inferior to that person because they're a doctor and they're seen as a little bit more higher on the um, ladder in our society. And I wish you could see my air quotes <laughs> because nobody holds more power over one another one another, regardless of your profession or your amount of money. And I only, I say that in the context that it, that you shouldn't and at a spiritual and, um, social, like and a level between relationships, you don't hold more power over someone just because you have more money or you have a better job. You in society, we've created that based off of power and money imbalances, but you really don't your worth is not any more or any less than someone else based off of your career, which is why I actually like to talk about the volunteer work that I do first before I get into my careers, because I believe that the volunteer work is what has made me be who I am today. And my jobs are a way that I support myself and, but they're not my identity. I don't identify as my career. I identify as all the other things, including my career um, of what I do in my life. So some of my jobs that I've had in the past were obviously babysitting because every girl in their teen years were babysitters up until my sister became of age and I was sick of babysitting kids. Love to all the kids I babysat, but there comes a time where I'm handed it over to my sister and told her that she would have more fun with it. <laughs> she stole all of my babysitting jobs and all my money. Um, but I became an ice cream scooper at the waterfront ice cream parlor in Amherstburg um, under Justin and Jen DeLuca, really awesome and sweet people. And it was a really unique and awesome experience as my first job. So uh, funny enough, I didn't actually have my first job until university because in high school, I was so focused and dedicated on athletics and academics, I didn't have time for a job. Basically, those were my job. And that's what paid for me to go to university was my working my ass off in school and on the track to get to where I was in university. So I became an ice cream scooper. It was a really cool job working with the public. And, um, you know, interacting with people, whether they were, you know, kids or adults or regulars or new people. It was a really cool experience and it was fast paced, especially in the summer, like deep into the summer. Canada Day was always our busiest day. And um, I have to say, though, and it always ticked me off that there were a select amount of customers that would come in and get mad at the price or the fact that we only would accept cash. 
And I'd always like want to roll my eyes and be like, really, like you have to get angry over coming to get ice cream. And it was always kind of like, it's kind of like a good analogy towards like life. Like if you go into an ice cream store and get upset over the price and the service and something like that, and you're taking it out on someone that's working for minimum wage, are you actually upset about the ice cream or are you upset about something deeper in your life? So, um, yeah, that's completely unrelated, but just where my mind was going at that point. So I worked um, at the ice cream store for a few summers. The cool part about that job was it was only in the summer and I can continue my university in the fall, winter and spring. So then I also, during university, became a personal support worker through community living for an individual with developmental disability. That was a really cool and unique opportunity. Um, i I uh, took the person that I supported to the Humane Society. He did Zumba. We did so many cool things together. And I bawled my eyes out the day that I had decided to move on from that job. And I pretty much have cried every single job that I've left in the past five years. I have cried over um, because they had such a profound impact on my life that I obviously was really emotional about leaving. And I left all on good terms to go into a new opportunity. a new opportunity to explore the world around me. And uh, that was okay. So then after community living, well, during community living, but uh, through my exit, I became a youth program leader for a program called YMAP at the YMCA of Western Ontario in Windsor through Immigration Services, where I worked with immigrant, um, refugee and immigrant youth to Canada. They came from all different countries and then had moved and immigrated to Canada for a better life. And that, that is, um, one of my most profound and important careers and, um, jobs that I've ever been in that really helped shape uh, me more into fighting for, um, social injustices and speaking up for our minorities And um, not putting up with racist slurs and derogatory comments towards immigrants into Canada um, because I was working directly with youth, youth that came from other countries, war-torn countries that had seen things that a 9, 10, 13-year-old should never have to see in their life and something that I will never have to visually see in person with my eyes. And that job was incredible. I was able to introduce a lot of my youth to community service and volunteering. We went to Windsor Rock Gym. We did lots of different things in the community. And my big thing for them was to really realize and recognize the power that they had as individuals to make a difference in the world around them. By coming into Canada, they had the opportunity to do so many things um, because of the way that our country has been set up and the freedoms that we have here. And I wanted them to be able to take advantage of all of that. And then at the same time, really cultivate a sense of compassion and kindness in their hearts um, to make the reason and of giving back and doing good things in our community come from a very deep spot in their heart. So I had a um, really awesome youth that had a very significant impact on my life. And um, I get really emotional when I talk about him because he was one of the the youth at the program that was always there. He was in grade seven at the time that I started the program. And uh, when I left, he was going into grade nine. He pretty much was at the program every single day after school. 
it would sometimes literally just be me and him. And we'd have to just figure out what to do because none of the other kids decided to show up. He was so dedicated to the program that he just, it just always made me so much happier to be there. Um, he always called me Miss Megan, which was really funny. And he still calls me that today. Um, I recently was able to see him back in the winter time, And I actually just spoke to him last night. He has told me multiple times how his experience with me as his program leader has had a significant impact on the person that he is today. And let's see, I wanted to share something that he, let's see, literally just said um, to me last night while we were chatting on Facebook, he said, um, he's like, uh, you make a great difference. And I really appreciate that. And I'm speaking from personal experience with you on behalf of everyone that you have put a positive effect on. Even they, even if they have not realized it, you have, you've had a bigger impact on my life though. You've given me the chance to learn a new language, meet and greet people. Um, I am still friends with so many of the youth from the YMAP program. We created memories that may never, ever be created again. I still remember when we went to the river, played Frisbee, when we saw those two girls doing cartwheels and when we were cheering them on, we painted rocks on happy earth day we went to the gym rock climbing hidden trails we went for ice cream um i remember almost every minute we had all spent together and he has said a couple times how his experience with me as a program leader has um made a really positive impact um on his heart and helped him just become who he is today and i that means a lot to me and I want to say one thing, that if there is someone in your life that has had a very significant impact on you as a person, please tell that person because it really means so much to us um, as someone who has had that happen to them. It just means the world to, to me. And if you were to tell someone who has had a very positive impact on you, I, I guarantee that it will really sit with them in a very loving and kind way. I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's really going to mean a lot to them. So please do that. Um, so yeah, that was a really hard job to leave, but I had left in the hopes of doing, um, taking on new opportunities. And as soon as I started feeling like I didn't want to go to work anymore, I knew it was time to leave. So I had exited that job in August of 2017, which led me into a year of traveling. Um, that's obviously going to be another, I keep saying this, but it's going to be another podcast talking about my van trip and other travels. So I was basically quote unquote out of a job for a year of traveling, but I was also doing doTERRA at the time. Um, I was a wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils where I helped, um, lots of people integrate essential oils and more natural and alternative methods of health and really focus more on like living and feeling and breathing a good life because I really believe in the motto that when we feel good, we're able to do good in the world. And then when we do good in the world, we feel good too. So it's a reciprocal relationship. When we were, when we're happy, when we're healthy, when we're taking care of ourselves, we have more energy, we have more output, we can do more things around us and help to make the world a better place. So doTERRA was a really got great opportunity. I also exited that, um, that experience back in the fall of 2019. And that leaves me today with working at Pet Value. I've been a retail worker at Pet Value in Tecumseh for almost two years now. It's a really cool job. I love it. It's really flexible, which has been really important to me with all the other opportunities and experiences and volunteer positions that I have. Um, I make minimum wage. 
And I can proudly say I'm a university graduate with an honors degree and I'm fucking working a minimum wage job. And it's hard. And sometimes it's it's really hard living on my own and trying to get by, paying off debt, you know, taking care of myself and Sunny. But it has humbled me in a way that I don't think um, I would have had if I didn't work in this position. Um, my employer is great. She's one of my best friends. So I'm super lucky about that. My manager is awesome and my coworkers are wonderful. And I freaking work at a pet store. I get to see little puppies and dogs all the time and help people help make their le- their lives and their pets' lives even better. So it's a great opportunity. I honestly think any job where you have the opportunity to make someone smile and happier is an awesome job. And it's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I can say that. And I know that. And I'm working on transitioning, excuse me, into something new. But it takes time. And this is a great um, safety net right now for, for what I'm hoping to move into in the next phase of my life. So, yeah. Um, there's a lot more about me, but that's kind of like how I really wanted to get into that nitty gritty stuff because that's a, like a lot about what this podcast is going to be about. There's going to be various episodes on like basically all those things that I just talked about and they're going to be podcasts on their own. Um, and that's going to be really cool. And you'll get to learn a little bit more about the people that I've met through that experience, the, um, lessons that I've learned, the places that I've visited and, When I say me, this is my experiences, but it is framed in a way that um, I hope that you take some of the things that I've learned and implement them into your own life. So this, uh, this is me sharing my story in the hopes that you feel more confident in sharing yours. So I want to say that I appreciate you listening to it um, to this point. I just basically like word vomited all of my life onto you. Um, I'm a very open book. I, you can ask me pretty much anything about myself and I'm willing to tell you, I believe, um, I have nothing to hide. And obviously there are little secrets that people, not everybody needs to know my whole life, but I'm definitely an open book and I am very transparent in the way that I live. And I never want to be someone that hides, um, from my true self. And that's taken a long time, um, to get to, but that's, that's me. And that's, that's what I hope other people learn from listening to me talk and, and listening to, um, other people is that you, you really want to feel confident and complete in who you are. And that's, what's going to really spark an interest and light into other people. So I have lots of other things I could talk about. I have Sunny that we still got to get into, um, my business aspirations, a little bit more about other parts of me, but we're just going to end it there because I've already chatted your ear off. Um, one thing I want to mention before I get off is I hope that you bring this podcast with you when you go for walks. I love, I take my dog on tons and tons of walks because he's got so much energy and I don't have a backyard and podcasts are one of my saving graces on some long walks. And I really enjoy listening and I find that podcast for me the only way I actually absorb the information is if I'm not focused on anything else. So I hope that this podcast encourages you to get out and walk. So if you're walking right now or you're ending your walk, super awesome of you to take me with you on your stroll. 
And if not, I want to recommend that the next episode, episode three that comes out, who knows when, I really hope I have more consistent schedule, but I hope you take me on a walk. And that's how you listen to The Sweet Life because part of The Sweet Life is living a healthy life and that's getting out in the nature, the nature, that's getting out in nature, getting in your exercise, getting some vitamin D and breathing in that fresh air wherever you find yourself. So take me on your strolls, the sweet life stroll, listen to your po- listen to me talk to you and I encourage you while you're out there um, getting and soaking in that sunshine. So thank you for joining me today and wherever you're listening, I appreciate you and I hope you are having a wonderful day or your day turns even sweeter now that you've listened to the, this podcast. Um, tune in next time.